Welcome to Investing.com's very own financial podcast, The Bell Ringers, where every week we take all the hot topics in financial markets, we talk for three minutes about them, a bell sounds, and we move on. Today with me, like always, my good friend and fellow senior analyst, Jesse Cohen. How's it going, everybody? I'm Clemente Bow, and today we have a lot going on for you. So, Jesse, what are our topics this week? Well, uh, we're going to talk about another action-packed week on in financial markets. Uh, well, then, uh, just uh, weigh in on the disaster, which is turning out to be the WeWork uh, IPO. And we'll also give our two cents about the whole uh, passive investing movement and whether uh, recent talks of it being a bubble uh, is justified. Uh, turning our attention to the week ahead, obviously, we'll just give our opinions on where we see markets going in the coming days. Uh, we'll also touch on what's in store on the data front, big week of data, both in Europe and the U.S., uh, and finally, we'll also focus on Apple's uh, fall product launch event uh, at which they're expected to unveil new iPhones. Yeah, and for our stocks of the week, I'll be going with Aurora Cannabis, and you are going with Zscaler. Yep, yes, sir. All right, so that, let's start, and let's start with uh, the Fed, which was maybe the driver in markets last week as Donald Trump kind of took a step back from Twitter and from bashing people. He let the Fed run the show because he knew that the Fed was going to say something that he was going to like, so he let him do it. Oh, pre- yeah, but, uh, pretty much for the most part. Another uh, up week in, uh, in markets. A lot calmer than previous weeks have been. And I'll tell you what, for the most part is, uh, you know, Donald Trump, like you said, really took, took the foot off his, uh, his Twitter or, or took the you know, fingers off his uh, <laughs> Twitter phone. And, and like, really, Trump was a less of a source of uncertainty in financial markets this week. Uh, like you said, uh, Powell came out on Friday. Uh, pretty much reiterated and repeated what was previously said. Uh, the Fed will continue to act uh, to sustain the expansion. Uh, pretty much what, what the market was expecting and what the market wanted to hear. And uh, we're, you know, we're pricing in 90% odds for a, a 25 basis point rate cut next week. And it seems like uh, Pen- you know, Powell is, uh, is pleased with that. He's satisfied. Yeah, but how is he, how is he cutting rates if everything's going well? Isn't cutting rates a thing you do when when times get rough? Isn't that the point? Well, Isn't really? that supposed to ease when we, times get rough? Why we, are we cutting now if you don't see a recession and everything's like dandy? You know, Why we, are we doing this? I've I've stressed this, and we're, we're for the most for the most part, both of us have really talked about this on on the podcast for for a while now. That clearly the U the, the the data is not painting a worrying a worrying picture. Uh, we've talked about the bond markets and the recessionary signals, which uh, uh with which they've been screaming out uh recently, not meaning what it used to mean, uh, due to the whole uh, bond market intervention uh, uh as a result of central bank easing, a- and so for the most part, when you break it down, Fed Chair uh, Jerome Powell is pretty much cutting rates to please and appease the president and to please and appease financial markets. But that just means that. Once a recession comes, and it will come, because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, how are they going to handle it? Oh, there's always a movement into negative rates. There's always restarting QE. And we'll talk about this when we get into the uh, uh, European Central Bank segment uh, in, in, uh, for because the week Because if you ahead. think the Fed has it bad, That's look at Europe. That's where they're going, exactly. Or, or look at Japan. You know, when, when you break it down, you know, at the end of the day, the, the Fed is really one of the 
if, if not the most hawkish central bank in the world. And that is exactly why President Trump has been and you if, know, if, daily but, but bashing. But if that's what your hawks look like, you have a problem. Like, <laughs> well, if this is the, the hawkish, the hawkish, you know, fed in the world, if this is the hawkish central bank. Come on, man. And, and, and really, that's why what we see in, in bond markets, you, you, you look at the German 10-year uh, yield, it's, it's minus you know, 0.6%, whereas in the U.S., at least it's yielding positive uh, you know, at 1.5%. So really, at the end of the day, the central bankers have been the key movers in financial markets and will continue to be And as uh, long as movers. Trump doesn't tweet, you know, the Fed can prop the market higher uninterrupted, maybe Trump will realize that one day. Yeah. If he lets the Fed, you know, just cut rates, you know, maybe the economy will be better off if he doesn't tweet. I Ma- doubt Maybe that. he got that. I doubt that. We'll see you next week. So our second topic, the WeWork IPO. Oof, what, what a, a mess. Night. I mean, what a mess. I, I think anybody who, who I've spoken to, uh, you know, in, in the past week has pretty much responded the same way. You, talk, you, you just mentioned the word WeWork and automatically you get, oh, what a mess. Oh. What a disaster! <laughs> and really, when 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 a company slashes its valuation from forty seven billion to as low as twenty billion in a span of like three four months, I mean that's all the warning signal I need to to stay away from this uh, name. And if and when the company does in fact go public, I will be standing in line to short that one. Like it's, I mean, if, if you think Uber like fell flat on its face. Then WeWork has has the potential to just rewrite that, and I, and I agree. And I think that one of the problems with WeWork is that even if they have a sustainable business model, which they don't right now, they took the marketing so far by calling themselves a tech company. Yeah, and yeah. And, and 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 really, you know, you know, I, I, Goldman Sachs, who were who were in the lead uh, IPO underwriters, were were pushing WeWork. With a valuation of up to sixty-five billion to potential investors, so you had Goldman over here. You know, well, if Goldman are in the business or billion, making money for Goldman. Goldman I, are going to push, you know, whatever price they think will fetch them, you know, the best commission. And, and and really, at the end of the day, for for the sake of the market, I couldn't be happier to see what's been unfolding with with WeWork because. You know, the, the the whole if if we thought that 2000 and the IPOs like it's 1999 shades of 99 with the we work with the Lyft and Uber and all these not names, at all not at all I'm I'm happy and I'm glad to see the, the we work turning into a disaster. There's even talks that they might delay and maybe scrap the IPO altogether. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Well, if but they scrap the, the IPO, the private investors will literally get stuck with equity that no one wants. I mean, they have to IPO even at a loss for many investors. And, but and if that's we're what talking, the CEO has been pushing. The CEO has been pushing no at, at all costs. Yeah, of course. Go private or, or gotta go. Public. Gotta go public. But if you look at WeWork really itself, you know, it's it's a real estate operation, right? It has grown, but there's no synergies in any cost, so we're not sure how scalable it, it they, is. They, they lost $690 million in the first six months of 2019, bringing total losses over the past three years to nearly $3 billion. And, and if that's not enough, then they have $47 billion in lease obligations. It's, it's a glorified real estate. $3.5 billion in revenue in 2019. That means they have 15 times more obligations that they have revenue for the full year now so i mean yeah this company maybe can succeed yes maybe find a nice business model yes 
can it be a high flying, high growth company, you know, that pleases everyone at an absurd valuation? Of course Hell no. not. Of Hell course no. not. Hell no. So that that's the bottom line. At the end of the day, WeWork is not worth forty seven billion, and to be honest, it's billion not worth twenty billion much. either. I agree. Like like I said, if and when the company goes public, I'll be standing in line to short that with two hands. So that's it for WeWork. Moving on to our third uh, topic of last week: uh, passive investing. A yeah, lot of people. Th- there was a lot of talk last week. Anywhere you looked, a Bloomberg, the Wall Street Journal, uh, some stories on investing.com. Yeah, yeah the guy from talk- the Big Short yeah. said that we- passive investing is a bubble. He 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 should know a thing or two about bubbles. I mean, and and that's why I'm surprised people- to see him calling this a bubble because a bubble has pretty obvious characteristics. At the end of the day. I, and this I, I, is, this is not one of them. I, I recall, you know, post uh, two thousand eight when uh, when uh, Nuriello Rubini got the call right. Once once you get that one call right, people go back and refer to these uh, you know market uh, uh, observers as if they're uh, you know all seeing predictive gurus who can uh, see the future. And since they got one short you know big call right, whether short or long, doesn't mean that we need to go back and and really you know pay as much attention uh, to some of these, to some of these people. What I think, uh, uh, Michael uh, Burr, Michael Burr, right? His name from the, from the from the big short. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, he stands to make money from actively managing uh, funds. Oh, of and course, stocks. of course. And so Passive for him, investing is bad for active managers. And, and at the end of the day. That's been the key driver. You know, anybody who's been saying that passive investing is a bubble is someone who stands to and, lose. And you know, from more, passive more investing. than that, you know, that guy's fun. It's a small cap fund. And he's complaining that everybody's putting their money blindly in large cap. So not only he doesn't see the money because the money's not actively managed, but even whatever he holds doesn't get that flux of mo- influx of money because that's not the position he has you know he, ha- he hasn't got a position in amazon apple that he claims are overvalued right right and at the end of the day it's it, this would be akin to a professional poker player uh complaining that not enough amateurs are are sitting at his table you know at because what's been going on here really is that for for mom and pop you know retail investors you know passive investing has has been a blessing really less tax uh, uh you know uh less trading fees Less, uh, uh, um, it's more tax efficient, and over twenty day, years, who? it has never failed the American people. So like for yet. for for mom and pop retail investors, you know, it's 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 really been a blessing. And it's the low fees, tax benefits, every, the whole deal. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's such a silly narrative to even try to to come up with 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 calling this a a, a, a bubble. That I mean. There's, yeah, no, there's nothing really more if, if to it's say. A, if it's a bubble and it's and there's a bubble in the index, you would assume that you know the, the valuations of the underlying assets would be overvalued. That means that your Apple, your Amazon, uh, if you look at Amazon and you see a bubble, if you look at Apple and you see a bubble, no, I think those valuations are you know, reason, somewhat reasonable. We're not in bubble territory. And if you look at you know the performance in the past 10 years, then the S&P was up like 300%. And the Russell, which is usually small caps, was up like 280%. So do you want to tell me that there's a bubble in the S&P but not in the Russell? Because I, 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 I don't believe that. I, I, I think it's bizarre to even, to even be talking about this. But so, yeah. And, I'm, and really, I've been hearing about that bubble in passive investing from like people like Carl Ican and you know those, those kind of person for like four, five, six years now. And, 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 if you, and if you missed out on the rally in the S&P in the past five, six years... Then you know I, I feel sorry for you because that was a uh, a lot of money to be made there. 
But let's put the past in the past and move on to the upcoming week. So really, our market outlook, there's a U.S. side to it, and there's, there's an ECB side to it, which, of course, will uh, will the ECB do what everyone expects it to do in QE? Where do you want to start, though, in the U.S. or in the or in Europe? Well, I mean, let's let's kick things off here in uh, in in Europe just cuz the ECB is is maybe the biggest story in the week uh in the week ahead in financial well, Draghi markets. go out in a blaze of glory uh, it's throwing that money out the window as he goes to will, his car will he fire off the bazooka one last time markets cl- are clearly expecting uh, you know, a, a, a rate cut at this point is a given. The co- the question is, do we get a 10 basis point rate cut or a 20 basis point rate cut, which would take uh, uh, the deposit facility rate deeper into negative territory? So when we were talking about the Fed in our first segment, this is what the Fed could potentially be doing years down the road. Uh, you know, cutting rates deeper into negative negative territory. And will the ECB restart QE? That's really been uh, the, the the big question. And as of late, uh, we really got some pushback from uh, policymakers uh, just trying to manage market expectations. Uh, you know, markets are expecting the full bazooka. Markets are always expecting the full bazooka. And, markets and, love and to price the and kind of force the hand of policymakers. Well, f- and for that reason, really, you know, the ECB isn't the Fed in the way that, you know, from from my perspective, at least not as uh, focused on uh, financial markets as the Fed is. And so I think that the ECB uh, definitely stands. There's a large uh, chance that they'll end up uh, disappointing. Uh, and still, markets. like Mario Draghi never raised rates in his entire career That's and it, his entire yeah. tenure. He never raised rates even once. And yeah, now he, for him to he had the opportunity and he really that, that both exactly, failed. exactly. And so now and now the question is more QE, no more QE. And really, it feels to me like. You know, sometimes if I'm offering you a deal, if I'm telling you, listen, would you like a slap on the wrist now or like a full on kick in the groin like a couple of years from now? What do you take? You probably should take the the slap. So instead of extending and artificially stimulating the markets to go places where it has no business going, maybe we take it slow for a minute recover reset ourselves and continue with good fundamentals instead yeah, of just yeah that's that's not going to happen <laughs> that's of that's, that's not, not going to happen. happen more easing get the printer press running you know more more money printing and for I, I definitely think that QE in Europe is coming. I just think that they're going to wait for uh, Christine Lagarde's uh, first meeting at which she chairs the ECB. Wait, for her so you to think come out no there. QE now? Like Draghi will let Lagarde? Yes, yes, exactly. I, I'm, I, not, I'm not sure. I think that this week's uh, uh, ECB meeting will, will result in a 20 basis point rate cut. We don't get the QE, which markets are demanding. That results in a tantrum, you know, a whole, a whole tantrum in the bond markets. We'll see crazy movements there. And then, you know, for for, for Draghi to, to go out with guns blazing, he's going to leave that for uh, Lagarde. That's that's the that's the way I, I view things. And that was just Europe. So let's give a quick shout out to the U.S. as well, because so, there's I a mean, lot to be said about the ECB. Well, in, in the U.S., obviously, you know, the S&P is less is less than 2% away from its all-time high reached in uh in late July. So when you when you break it down, if the data this week stays solid, 
if we get the uh, you know easing tensions on the uh, U.S.-China trade nah, front, it's not about that. that. If Trump lays off the Twitter, we'll be fine, and we'll see another week of one to two percent up. Definitely That's seems it. like like all time highs are are coming. It's and, that and, easy. And, and like we've stressed before, don't fight the Fed. Don't fight the White House. Don't fight President Trump. It seems like they all want elevated stock prices. And when you break it down, stock it seems like stocks just stay sticky to the upside. All the bad news that we got in recent weeks, and you know we're still a whisker away from all. Maybe that's eyes. where the bubble talk comes from. Well, I mean, this is well, well, uh, in you know the bubble talk has been since two thousand nine when course, Ben when course. when Ben Bernanke really but it kicked off QE one. Yeah, but it's going to be an interesting in the U.S. an interesting week in the U.S. and really, uh, like like it, like it's been over the past month. If if you're President Trump and you want a higher stock market, you need to put your ego aside and let the market continue its upwards trajectory. Just like it does when you're not interfering. Still, still expect a, uh, at least one tweet from uh, the president saying "greatest economy ever." Uh, yeah, that that those are okay. The market <laughs> likes those. None of those. Uh, the Fed chair doesn't know what he's doing. Get him out of here. All right, let's move on to the data that we have this week. So there's some data in Europe, some data in the U.S. There's uh, from the U.S. side. There's the CPI on Thursday and retail sales on Friday. What's yep. in Europe? In, well, in Europe, we mostly get the ECB, and in China, we got some uh, disappointing trade figures, which came out Sunday night. That might have a, an impact on uh, markets when we reopen on Monday. Uh, exports uh, from China actually missed expectations, uh, so that pretty much signals maybe that the world economy is not as healthy uh, as as we think, or maybe just means that China, uh, you know, has been well, suffering from Trump some structural and issues. Keep stabbing the world economy with a fork yeah, and seeing when it bursts. So of course it's not going to be that healthy. But again, you know, those are is those are numbers coming out of China. You, you got to take numbers coming out of China with the you know with a grain of salt, just because who really knows what the hell's going on in China. What I'm going to be taking, uh, well, most of the focus on this week would, will be the retail sales uh, numbers uh, out of the U.S. on Friday. Uh, obviously, the pace uh, which we saw in July, which was a 0.7% increase. We're not going to uh, stay uh, at those levels. Uh, I see here expectations are for 0.2%. Still, though, retail sales are growing. They're in positive territory. The American consumer remains strong and healthy. And, and as long as the American consumer is spending, there is no chance of a recession. And I think that, you know, at the moment where the retail season is also kind of kicking into high gear. Even, yeah, yeah, it's going to be even stronger to now with the holiday season. Return to school, holiday season, Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Christmas, Cyber Monday, you this, name it. This is the Americans are going for the to US shop retailer. Absolutely. In, in Q4. That's just going to happen. It's just how it is. So, yeah, I'm also looking to see. Uh, retail sales, as long as it's not negative, I think it shows that the U.S. economy, especially after the bump of last month, that, you know, the consumer is healthy. The consumer doesn't expect if the Fed doesn't see a recession coming, then really retail sales tells us that the consumer doesn't see one either because he's willing to spend and he's willing to, you know, save a bit less to consume more. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always looking at retail sales, one of my favorite uh, economic indicators to look at. And yeah, looking forward to that. And CPI on Thursday. CPI on Thursday. I mean, while while the data won't impact uh, the Fed's decision on in, at its uh, September uh, meeting, because data generally doesn't impact Fed decision anymore. Th at least not in in the coming week, in the in the in the next week. But maybe you know, if the, if the data really holds up and easing, uh, or and we get some uh, positive developments on the U.S.-China trade front, then maybe 
the Fed might not need to cut rates beyond this one in September. Maybe this could be it for, for the year. So it'll be interesting to see how the data, uh, you know, how, how that paints. And really, it will be interesting to see if we get – there's no comments from the, from the Fed this week. But it will be interesting to see if we do have any uh, remarks from uh, President Trump and what he might have to say about uh, Powell and the economy. I think we should have been done with rate, with rate cuts like two cuts ago. Well, the investing.com. Uh, we were talking about a hike in January, for yeah. God's sake. That's what we were talking about. It's crazy where but we are now. And, uh, and just look at where expectations have been all over the place. Just uh, you know, two weeks ago, expectations for a 50 basis point rate cut were near 20%. Now they're at 0%. So we, you know, we've been all over the place, and that just goes to show really how bad and how poor of a job the Fed has been in communicating its intentions uh, to the market. All right, and now to our last topic for today, we will be talking about Apple. So Apple, September 10, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Tuesday. New iPhones, and the question really is, new iPhones but same old Apple? Because I don't think we're expecting too much out of this current lineup of phones. There's not supposed to be anything revolutionary in well, them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not expecting. 5G is next year. Uh, really, a, a lot of people I've spoken to, uh, a lot of the Apple fanboys and girls, which who you know who I know, they uh, they all told me the same thing. Uh, you know, this upgrade cycle is nothing to get excited about. Everybody's waiting for uh, 5G to upgrade, uh, and so for me personally, I'll be looking. If if we get any updates from Apple regarding its uh, services uh, uh, aspect of the business, uh, specifically the Apple TV, if if we do get any any pro any update on details or whether pricing and a potential launch date, then that could maybe be a, a spark that uh, the stock needs in order to uh, you know just get on the next leg higher. Uh, in terms of the rally, uh, recently we we've got some uh, reports that the company that has invested heavily. You know, they signed up Oprah, they signed uh, Steven uh, Spielberg to create uh, original TV shows and movies. Yeah, content is expensive, man. We've seen it with Netflix. Content Facebook, is expensive, and, and 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 like we've seen with with Disney, once you've get you've gotten that content, uh, you know, side of the business, or at least you're thinking about it, and there's a launch date. And you know, ideas are getting pushed. Then that you know, I investors love that. Yeah, markets the right now. The excitement of a new content, product. Boom! That's they that's what it. you need. So if we do get you know the the whole iPhone unveiling, that's boring business to me. Because with all due respect, you know, nothing there is uh is of excitement to me yeah, until the but next from a cycle. Business perspective, I want to see what they have to see so about important. Services. And and the iPhone sales and and the first quarter dropped fifteen percent. Yeah, yeah. Dropped seventeen percent in the exactly. second quarter. I mean, I mean dropped another twelve percent in the Wall third Street quarter. Knows, like this narrative has has been well telegraphed and well documented. People aren't buying as you know they're not upgrading as much as they used to, just because there's been nothing new in these you know in these models. Me personally, my last iPhone was the iPhone 5s. I, I was iPhone 3, iPhone 4, iPhone 4s, iPhone 5, 5s, whatever that came in the in between. And that was the last, you know, I, I've, I've switched over to Android ever since. I'm now a Google Pixel guy. And really, I don't think that 
anything Apple will do in this current lineup will make me uh, maybe jump ship uh, back to Apple. And another thing that is interesting here is that Apple is actually launching a cheaper iPhone as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of like it did in 2016, I and, think. And with they the scrapped SE. that shortly afterwards, right? It didn't work it very didn't well. Work. They're giving it another try. But, but again, you know, mainly, you know, trying to, to, to compete in India and China. Yeah. Apple is premium. That, 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 you know, local iPhone. I don't, I don't see it finding a market because people that, you know, are more no one in budget India conscious is, is gonna going to shell like out. Your yeah. No Xiaomi's, one in India is you know, your hundred dollar smartphones, which are great and not, not going for Apple. It, so, yeah. So for me, like, like I said, Apple, the whole hardware ass, you know, segment of the business. I want to see more. I want to see more. And I still like Apple a lot. I think it's very well entrenched in the life of the consumer, you know, and I think that it will grow stronger. Like I said, you businesses now, you walk around, you walk around New York. Everybody, everybody has those AirPods in their ears. So, yeah. On to our stocks of the week. Yeah. uh, You want to kick things off? Yeah, for sure. Let's go with uh you have Aurora Cannabis. Yeah, I have, and and it's interesting. It's one of the leading cannabis companies today. They trade both in Canada and in the U.S. Uh, it's reporting earnings on Wednesday, so that's why it's of specific interest this week. Uh, it sold off uh, a stake in a competitor that it had for like sixty-five million dollars. And one of the funny things is that they actually had a, they had a very good trade on it because they bought it. Like less than two years ago, and they sold it for and they sold they sold it for fifty percent more than they bought it. Like less than two years after, so they even had a nice return. But I think that this was smart because the company's looking for liquidity. It's not yet profitable, and there's a lot of regulatory uncertainty. Uh, but if I have to, you know, point at one thing that's hurting cannabis companies the most, it's the bubble. Yeah. And yeah, there was I this huge bubble just earlier. Just look at chart. Just look at Tilray's chart for all. I mean. And, and now people are very l- reluctant to get into that. Uh, but when we're talking about Aurora, I think it'll beca- it'll start to lead the cannabis market and overtake canopy growth at some point. Because Aurora is very well positioned to profit from the international markets. And now that the e- EU is starting to legalize medical marijuana as well, you can see that they're moving into Europe. They're producing, uh, that the, they're producing stuff that is EU compliant. And they're opening production in Portugal as well. So I think that from an international point of view, they'll start to get stronger and stronger. I like them better than Aurora Can than uh, sorry Canopy Growth. Canopy Growth been the leader so far, but yeah, I think from a technical level as well, if you're looking at it, it's just below the fifty the fifty day moving average. It's in a huge downtrend channel, and if it breaks at six six or six seven, then uh, we might have a party on our hands. Well, I like it. Be on uh, be on the lookout for that. And uh, for me, uh, I went, uh, my stock of the week is uh, Zscaler, uh, similar to Aurora Cannabis. Zscaler also reports earnings this week, so it's of interest. Uh, They report their latest quarterly results uh, after the bell on Tuesday. Uh, It's been one of my my preferred names in the cloud-based cybersecurity sector. I've written about them uh, previously before. Man, you like those small tech stocks that just explode but upwards. I'll tell you, man, a, a lot of these names, like the stock is down 24% since early August. So in the past five weeks, the stock has corrected 25%. It's still up 64% year to date. So you, you, you think about like where the, where the growth uh, leaders have been in the market. 
and small tech stocks. it's been a lot of, you know small tech cloud-based cybersecurity names uh my stock of the week last week was palo alto networks which uh, zscaler uh is considered its biggest rival so you know palo alto they beat on uh, on their numbers last week i'm expecting zscaler to uh post similar numbers uh we're expecting earnings of one cent per share which would be an improvement of a loss of one cent per share. So the company's actually uh, turning profit much earlier than the street uh, expected. Uh, revenue is expected to grow to 88 or 82.8 billion, which would be a strong improvement from the six from the 56 million. All right, so that that's another earlier. 50%, 15% upwards uh, move like we've uh, seen from stocks you've picked over the past few weeks. Hey, for 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 my for my portfolio, I'm hoping. <laughs> So, like I said, I, 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 I love the name. It's been one of my uh, preferred uh, uh, names in the sector, and I think uh, Zscaler will deliver another upbeat uh, uh, earnings when it reports on Tuesday. All right, great. So, that's it from us this week, folks. We hope you enjoyed that episode of The Bell Ringers. You can rate us on whatever platform you're listening to. You can follow us on certain platforms. You can follow us on Twitter, that's for sure. You can find Jesse at Jesse Cohen INV, me at Clem Tebow, investing.com, at investing.com, and the Bell Ringers at Bell Ringers Pod. We love to be here for you every week talking about the markets. If you want to interact with us, you're welcome to do so. I hope you all have a great week. And I hope Trump uh, lets Twitter slide, uh, you know, doesn't tweet too much this week. Enjoy enjoy kickoff today. NFL officially kicking off. Thank Go God. Giants. Go Giants. Nah, go Ravens, man. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's about it. Wishing you all a good one. All right. May the trading gods be with you. Yeah, bye, everybody.